so we sit about seven and a half million in revenue today. Yep. So we've kind of done five, six times multiple of, of growth. Right. In, in in really in the last three years. Yeah. I mean, although we did our first acquisition in 2018, it really is the last three years that we've yeah. seen that huge growth. Um, we've gone from 10 staff to 41 staff. We've gone from one office to three offices. If you've ever considered or want to learn more about growing your business by acquisition, you'll want to listen to this week's guest, John Graves, founder and CEO of Northern Telecom. John has grown his business by sevenfold in just three years via 13 acquisitions. This is the Leeds Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Phil Fraser. I'm a business sounding board. Think somewhere between a business coach and a business mentor. I help business owners like you not to be lonely at the top. John tells us all about his acquisition strategy, shares the learnings from some of his early mistakes, and gives us all a great how-to when it comes to buying businesses via prepack. He also tells us about his ultimately disastrous purchase of a golf club and a hotel. To make sure you never miss out on every episode of the Leeds Business Podcast, sign up to our priority list at www.leedsbusinesspodcast.com. Everyone that signs up gets a free gift to help their business. So, let's get into what is a really educational interview. Today's guest on the Leeds Business Podcast is John Graves, founder and chief executive of Northern Telecom. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. So, how did we get to launching a, a telecom business? So, I was in sales at the time, but I suppose if we go back a little bit further, I studied law at university, qualified into it, did my LPC. Uh, came out of uni in 2009, just after the crash, and no one was taking on on trainee lawyers, uh, let alone trainee lawyers with a 2-2 that had basically drunk for the last four years. Um, and so I had to do something else. So I, I effectively dropped into sales. I've always been a salesman, really. Um, started uh, started there, worked my way up, uh, and then uh, ended up at an IT software company. Um, the essence of it was they the customers would buy the software and they get their own connectivity services. Okay. Um, and I ended up introducing the customers to a third party and we won't go too deep into it, but there was a little bit of a discussion about whether that was acceptable and I ended up being unfairly dismissed, I think was the final phrase. So so I was sat at home, now jobless, um, thinking, well, what can I do? And I thought, well, you know, I've been introducing those customers to, to, to connectivity services. Maybe I'll just go in, sell them yeah um, and that really is how it started so we started selling m2m connectivity so sim cards to the taxi trade grew that up to twenty thousand mobile connections in about 12 months okay and and, and i had another job at the time so i kind of got and got another job um and it was really it was never supposed to be the size it was today it was never supposed to be it was always about a little just pay for the next holiday me and, yeah. me and the missus can have a, a nice trip away and then it kind of got to the size where it was maybe we need to do this properly we yeah need to grow up as a business and we've done that multiple times but uh yeah all of a sudden we had to then go from it just being me and trying to trying to grow a team out that could support those customers um so yeah it was a it kind of fell into it more than more than by design it was it was i remember sitting on the sofa in the yellow bit road um alice in wonderland was on and she's singing follow the yellow bit road and I was like, well, we'll just call it YB, yellow brick, you know, nice and positive, nice and happy. Uh, and that's really where it all started and then and just kind of built it from there. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, something to clarify first. This is the Leeds Business Podcast. That's not a Leeds accent. It's not. I am a scouser by trade. I uh, left Liverpool a long time ago. 
I uh, went up to Newcastle for university. Then my, my, my wife now, but missus at the time, moved to Leeds for work. And, and I thought, well, I'll follow. Uh, and then, of course, you get married, you have kids, and 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 then you stay, don't you? So okay. so we're, we're based in Leeds. Uh, we do have an office in Newcastle and an office in Kent as well. Um, but primarily, my work is all in Leeds now. Um, but yeah, so... Home. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll allow you to qualify for the Leeds Business <laughs> yeah, Podcast good, then. Good. Okay, so um, YB's launched. Yeah. You've started, and it's amazing how many guests I speak to who launch businesses by accident. So you've sort of launched this and it started to grow. Take us to the next stage. So we had a we had a single product really. It was all SIM cards for the taxi trade, and then the customer. Why did you, sorry? Why did you pick the taxi trade? Because or was that just soft, an accident. Because, no, because the software I was selling prior was in the taxi trade. Right. Okay. So it was effectively the same customers I'd already been selling to. Right. So I could pick the phone up and go, "Hey, I've, I, I'm no longer here, but I'm doing this. Do you need connectivity?" And, and really, it was just an easy sell because I already knew the customers and knew what they needed. Okay. Um, and so that's really where it started. Customers would then say, "Well, if you're doing this for us, John, can you do this?" Okay, so we'd start, and well, if, you, if, if we're doing your sims, let's do your broadband. If you're doing your broadband, let's do your your SIP or your telecom or your phone line services. Well, if we're doing that, why can't we do this? And yeah. and the product set just kind of grew and grew until we got to a point where, although we were predominantly in the, the taxi trade at the time, a phone line is a phone line. It doesn't really matter sure. who the end customer is. So then we we were kind of like, well, how do we step out of this? We need to not change the way we sell but change the messaging because right. it's really hard to say we're the experts in this but we're also really good at this I mean, yeah the fact it's the same product is irrelevant it the marketing gets lost right um, so that we effectively then launched northern telecom okay um just to have two brands so we ran both brands although it was one company side by side and then again it got confusing because this customer would email one email address and we'd reply on a different domain and well hold on are you northern telecom or your yb who, who, who what's going on who's who and, and again it although it was the right messaging it, yeah we probably implemented it badly um and then so four years ago we dropped yb off and just rebranded everything to northern telecom and that's really when it it's pushed on from there because we've had one brand one solid product set uh, and one group of messaging from there on in right, so okay. i suppose as i said before it's all about growing up as a business and you go through these various stages and what worked when it was just me sat on the sofa and then what works when there's five staff what works when there's 10 staff yeah those things just change and you you have to go through a growing up event like right we went from me knowing every customer me selling to every customer them all speaking to me having my mobile number texting ringing whatever it was to where we are today where we've got two and a half thousand customers i don't want to say i feel out of touch but yeah there's a disconnect now and that's the right thing to be because the, everyone needs to, to be involved in the support of a customer and and actually i'm probably a blocker to support now it's much easier to call the office and follow the i, I need support ring support i need yeah. to order something ring the sales team then message john because John is doing 101 things and can't yeah. do it. So you go through that growing up phase uh, and, and it, it was a really just an interesting journey. And yeah. we've had to battle that a lot because there's always customers that prefer to speak to you because they've known you for years and they've got that relationship. Um, but we managed to, to kind of guide those customers through a process that they can speak to me, but yeah. if it's an urgent issue, just speak to yeah. the office. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how many clients I have who have that issue that, that, find it difficult to move from doing everything I'm, you know i'm the salesperson i'm the account manager i'm the ops guy i'm the guy who buys the toilet roll 
to getting to the point where you go, actually, I'm the CEO. I should be doing CEO stuff, yeah. not it, not in you know working in the business. It's hard, isn't it? Because as a, as a I hate the word entrepreneur, but as a business owner, especially when you've started from zero, yeah, you control everything. And and as you get bigger, you have to let go. Yeah. And as a control freak by nature, that's quite hard to do. Um, and and you eventually just have to get on with it. And you yeah. and I suppose the acquisitions have helped us do that because we've effectively bought in units of staff that yeah uh, you can put in a process and they just that that is the process. You bring in customers and that's the process. It's not yeah. a case of um, oh well, I've always spoke to John because you know John didn't sell to them anymore. So the scale via acquisition has really helped us yeah. build that that structure into the organization that probably wasn't there when we were, we were a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, but it, you just have to let go at some point. And I, and I, I still haven't let go of everything, but I'm certainly not operationally there day to day as yeah. much as I used to be. I'm much more of an escalation point for people now, instead of a, like a sat there answering support phone calls at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning in a nightclub. Oh, we've all done that. On. We've all done I, that. I, I, I still remember kind of I'd be out um, with, with, with friends and get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning. I'd have to nip out to the smoking balcony and be like, try and act sober and act normal as if I'd just woken up to try. And then I'd be, I'd be there on my phone trying to fix the problem on my phone because we just weren't that we were big enough to have a 24 hour support yeah. team there and, yeah. and, and and thankfully that doesn't happen anymore um but I, we've been through that pain and it's quite nice to have gone through that pain because if you don't remember where you've been you can't see the yeah. progression can you yeah yeah now you mentioned something there you sort of slipped it in and people may have noticed that you mentioned the word acquisition one of the amazing parts or the the amazing part of your business journey is that it's been driven by acquisition mm. so um talk us through how you sort of decided rather than organic growth you were going to go do down the acquisition route and and tell us yeah you know, tell us about your first acquisition how did that go yeah so for the first five years it was all organic and we grew a reasonable side business it was it was doing probably one one and a half million pound a year so and that's all recurring revenue yeah um so it kind of hits the bank every month you don't have the cash flow issues that a lot of businesses have so i've always liked telecoms and it for that but so we we got to a point where we were trying to increase the northern telecom brands and and sales is always hard it's kind of a commoditized service that's just the reality of the industry you can go to a bt or you can go to a talk talk and get a phone line and broadband i'd like to think that we'd offer better service the phone will be answered in three to four seconds and you'll speak to someone in the uk so there are benefits to using us but you're never going to compete like for like yeah. with someone like talk talk so we kind of had to find another way and and we kind of fell into our first acquisition it was aspect international based in norfolk um and we were introduced to it by a broker um and and did a did a really good deal didn't pay a huge amount for it i think kind of 40 grand i think we ended up paying for it uh, up front um and and that added about a quarter of a million pounds worth of revenue into the business overnight um didn't take any staff so there was no increase in headcount we just dropped that straight in yeah and effectively started billing from the next month and that really set the kind of the light bulb off because it was like, well you well, just said you, well, you paid on. 40 you paid 40 grand for it and it put 250 grand of revenue in so it's about 20 grand a month of revenue in this overnight. was a distressed business was no, it so this was a share purchase all oh, right okay so so we bought this by shares at that point the thought of doing an insolvent or distressed deal just didn't really exist it was always we need to buy a solvent business we need yeah. to buy it and so we bought that by shares it was a it was a reasonable deal as i said it it, it set us off on the right journey it allowed yeah. us to make loads of mistakes and, and not panic too much it was in norfolk which 
looks really close on a map. It's not that close. <laughs> uh, I still remember going, and I, and I was still on the tools, I suppose, going and seeing customers at that point. And, and what we tried to do was I went out and saw all the big customers. And I remember driving down and I saw like three customers on the way. And then, you know, you know, as you get to Norfolk and the big bums at the end, I ended up there at the end of the day, it was like six o'clock, done my final meeting, all right, I've got to go home. And I just remember putting in the sat-nav and it was like an eight-hour journey home. And I was like, <laughs> wow, Norfolk is a really long way away. Um, but again, from a service perspective, it, it, it doesn't matter where we deliver services. Yeah. Um, but that was the first one we did. And it, it just showed that instead of battling against other people to win that business, to, to install it, to provision it, to prepare and get everything ready to order the hardware, everything that goes into delivering a service, takes time and cost money right i've got to pay salespeople to sit there and find that business and sell and compete but for the for the cost of a salesperson for the year i've effectively started billing tomorrow right and i get all the the revenue tomorrow i don't get the installation cost i don't have to go and fund the hardware out of our cash flow right because they've already got it all we just start the billing and it, it just it it meant that the Northern Telecom brand at the time, because we were still running them separately, had grown significantly instead of it being quite small. So it, it leveled off the income to that and made it mean we were doing more generic kind of telecoms instead yeah. of just the, the, the specialist taxi stuff. But it also meant that, you know what, there's something in this acquisition stuff. We, right. can, we can continue to buy these small telecoms companies where the owners are in their 60s and 70s. Um, the industry's going through huge changes. A lot. Of, it's hard work to, to move people onto new digital services. Right. Um, and a lot of the guys haven't got it in them and they don't want that appetite anymore. Right. And we can bolt those in overnight. We've got the infrastructure to support them immediately. Um, and so it kind of worked for us and it worked for the seller at that point. Within a week of the transaction, he was on a boat going around the world and and because he was in his 70s and and so it he got the freedom he wanted that he got away from all the stress of trying to run this small telco that that he just was was burning all of his time yeah and he just walked away and went around the world Fantastic. And, and and we got a quarter of a million quid with the revenue okay straight away you you mentioned it gave the opportunity to make some mistakes talk us through i mean were there any specific mistakes on that deal or was it well, there's been loads over the years. I think, I mean, that one, we, we rebranded that to Northern Telecom straight away, um, which we've stopped doing as we've gone through. Um, I think it was probably the right thing for that one because there was some brand, not brand issues, but it was a relatively small unknown brand anyway. So to right. take that out, it didn't really cause a headache on that one. It, it did on future deals, but it just, we had to learn to integrate. We had to learn how to talk to these customers that didn't know who we were, yeah. had a personal relationship with, with Bob who owned it previously. Um, in a similar way to I had a personal relationship with our customers previously. And all of a sudden we had no relationship with these customers. It was like, hey, I'm John, I'm gonna send you a new invoice. The invoice is gonna be different. Uh, the communication is gonna be different. The support is gonna be different. But don't worry, everything's all right. And it, it it's just a hard messaging exercise. Yeah. And I suppose as you go along, you learn to message that in a in a better better way. Um, but it, it just allowed us to to learn that integration piece yeah. on a deal that we hadn't spent a million pound on. And therefore, if it went completely disastrously wrong, yeah, we'd have kind of been all right. And okay. it didn't. And most of those customers are still with us today. Yeah. Uh, we haven't churned or lost many of them. And, mm -hmm. and so from that perspective, we've had. I think that was 2019 2018 so we've had five six years of, of that revenue yeah which 
like if, if someone said pay us 40 grand here's a million pounds of the revenue over the next four or five years most people are going to take that sounds deal. like a good deal that it was yeah and yeah. so it just it, it said it just was that light bulb of this is the way to grow let's so, not have a sales team let's just go just and go acquisition it. right so the light the light bulb was has flashed on right this is and I, and I know with acquisitions it gives you a step up doesn't it it's, yeah. a, it's rather than that that straight line of organic growth you get step changes so the light bulb flashed on you go right acquisitions the way to go how did it go from there bought a golf club <laughs> you know so bear in mind you're a telecoms company yeah. you bought a golf club why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to own a golf club and hotel like it's, <laughs> is that not just something that every bloke's ego just goes great idea yeah and that was my first ever distress deal right um, okay so we bought that out of pre-pack and then three months after we bought it covid came along um, and so all of a sudden we had 35 staff in an industry that we were still kind of learning. Yeah. Um, it was v certainly a massive distraction from the telecoms, which was a big negative, which, which I learned. I think it was the, the first time I'd ever got close to burnout right. because I would have telecoms brain on and then I'd have to flick to golf club brain, to hospitality brain, to restaurant brain, back to telecoms brain. And, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it was probably the first time I'd ever uh, kind of experienced anything like burnout okay i think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle to accept mental health i think we all have such a drive in us uh, such a i've just got to get on with it i yeah. can't make an excuse here i, I just got to deal with it and, I, and i'm not saying that because i think people use it as an excuse i completely understand this mental health but i just think a lot of business owners really just focus on the next thing the next thing the next thing yeah and and i think i that was that buying that and trying to not even integrate it because it was completely separate yeah but just run it yeah it, it kind of i certainly learned when i did that where my limit on time and energy and, and and mental capacity was um but obviously covid came along um and and caused all sorts of issues and we ended up having to put that into to liquidation so we lost that again right um but it, yeah it was, it was fun while it lasted <laughs> so you had six months as a, as a golf club owner uh, six months as a golf club owner and i only ever played 16 holes because we went out, I remember going out with my dad and, and we missed two holes when we were playing. So I never even played the full course, <laughs> which still cracks me up today. Um, but yeah, six months of it. And, and we turned that round. It was, yeah. it was insolvent. We just said we pre-packed it, but we'd, we'd solved all the inherent issues that it had. We'd done yep. a really good job of getting it back on its feet. It was profitable, um, but COVID came as well as the landlord. Uh, and we had major issues with the landlord who it was family owned. Right. Um, so we went in as a leaseholder, so I didn't own the freehold. And the dad lived next door and the daughter lived next door and the, the other daughter lived the other side and they were just always there. Yeah. And they used to run it many years ago and then effectively had sold the leasehold so they, the, the dad could retire. And then now that the daughters were in age, the daughters kind of wanted it back. And so after six months of back and forward, they eventually said, we're not going to assign the, they're not going to allow the assignment of the lease from the old company to yours oh, okay so that was kind of the week before boris johnson shut the country down so we were sat with no assignment of a lease so effectively we probably shouldn't be there anymore plus they were starting to talk about COVID. our corporate bookings were starting to cancel so revenue was starting to yeah. play and yeah and then boris shut the country down on the tuesday and effectively killed us because right. we, we if it had just been COVID, we'd have got through if it had just been the landlord issues we'd have probably got there with the negotiation eventually to keep yeah. hold of it but the two together we we couldn't fund that through COVID while we had 
just uh, the lack of a guaranteed occupation of the premises. If yeah. if the landlord doesn't want you there, what what can you yeah, do? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've learned that lesson. Stick to what you know. And and while I enjoyed it th- thoroughly, um, I'll not buy another one anytime soon. Right. Okay. Now you mentioned a couple of couple of phrases there that that listeners and and, and viewers may need some clarification on. So we, you mentioned it's distressed business. Yeah. And you mentioned prepack. Yeah. So let's just for clarification, talk, talk through those two definitions. Yeah, so distressed is, 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 is effectively what it sounds like. The business can't pay its debts, so it's struggling to pay debts. It might have built up HMRC liabilities. It might have taken loans that it can no longer pay back, and effectively there's some financial distress in the business. <clears throat> and so it, you end up in a position where it's insolvent or potentially insolvent, and, and then you have to go through a sales process or close it down. So with the golf club, although we, because there was there was an opportunity to run that business moving forward. We acquired it via prepack. Right. Okay. So they effectively bundle the business and assets up and, and an administrator will sell them. Um, so all the old debt dies with the old company. So right. you get all the nice bits, yep. but you don't get all of the, the bits that you don't want. Um, staff are protected via 2 um, Okay. So all the staff transfer as well with the business. So the business carries on operating, but just under a new limited company. Right. Um, okay. It's a great way to buy. Um, or what we had to do when we closed it because the landlord didn't want us there and there was no future we ended up and then having to go to the liquidation route on that and effectively just stop trading and it got closed down right and then the landlord went in two months later and effectively reopened it and took over so uh, there are different processes for different types if there is a foreseeable way the business can continue to operate yeah if the issues can be solved so if it's a debt issue prepack's great because the debt effectively sure. dies so it's about it's basically restructuring companies to try and maintain the business side of it yeah without the pain points that are there in the past right okay so you've you've so you've done one deal danny norfolk in telecoms you've done a golf a golf club <laughs> as you do <laughs> as you do that didn't work yeah so this is where it gets exciting because yeah. you then talk us through you know a, Yes. Yeah, so what was it, 14, 15 deals you've done now? Yeah, 15 in total. Take the golf club out to so 14, but really it's ramped up from COVID. So when COVID came along, um, obviously the golf club, the distraction had gone. Yeah. Um, I was no longer spending half my time uh, in Peterborough and half my time in Leeds. It was very much right. Well, I'm now back in the telco side. Yep. We just need to focus. We need to double down on what we're doing uh, and, and just kind of crack on with, with what we know and what we do. And and it kind of pushed on from there. We did a, another telecoms deal kind of the month after the first lockdown had started, uh, which was always interesting because, again, you get 200 new customers coming in who don't know you but need to work from home, need to change all yeah. their infrastructure. And, frankly, you don't know what infrastructure they've got because you're still trying to onboard them. So yeah. that was the first time we did that. That, that. I mean, that came from writing letters. We sent 3,000 letters out a year before and the guy rang me up and said, oh, I'm ready to sell. I can't be doing with this anymore. And we just bought the contract. So effectively novated all the assets over. So it wasn't distressed, but it wasn't okay. a share purchase. <clears throat> In telecoms, you can lift and shift the back end stuff without the customers really feeling any difference. So, yeah. so we bought that as an asset. And then again, that dropped into the Northern Telecom brand straight away, carried on billing. That was really successful as well. And, and, and that seller got paid out over the next four years okay um so they've just finished their final payments um and and they got effectively a monthly i would call it commission payment based on the profitability yeah so if the business or the the customers weren't profitable 
they didn't get paid. Yeah. But it meant that they had an income for the next four years without really having to worry. And we didn't pay an awful lot for that up front. But then we kind of moved in some more asset purchases. We did another one, another contract purchase uh, of a residential customer base. So we don't do a lot of residential customers. Yeah. Um, but we bought Precise over. Uh, again, we rebranded that to Northern Telecom Home. Um, just because they were residential customers, it kind okay. of made sense. And then really, that's when the pre-pack started to kick in, where COVID was having a little bit of a bite. Right. We just started to do more distressed deals. Um, so the IT was the first one we did, um, mm -hmm. where a very good friend of mine rang me up. He's an insolvency lawyer and said, do you want to buy an IT company? And I was like, all right. And he's like, it's 10 grand. Deal's done. You just need to bring this number. This can't be right. That sounds too good to it be true. Too good to be true. And it wasn't. It wasn't big. It only turned over maybe two hundred grand. So it wasn't yeah. huge. Uh, but it was based in Leeds, so it was relatively easy. Had a couple of staff, so it wasn't too painful. So rang them up. Yeah, this is where we are. There was. There was. It, it wasn't distressed because of financials. It was distressed because they'd effectively messed up the biggest customer. Right. Um, so had a big conversation with them. Decided ten grand was too cheap felt a bit nervous paying 10 we paid 15 <laughs> and, and, and we and we moved moved that over um and, and that's really where our it business started okay and today so just doing two and a half million pound of revenue a year so from from paying 15 grand which is what the less less yeah. than the price of a car really that business has exploded for us and it now sits really central in everything that we do okay um, and, and then we've just continued to do pre-pack deals since then so finding finding stuff that for whatever reason is in distress yeah and then just moving and the contracts over to us okay continuing okay. the billing and kind of and just supporting okay. the customers i think that that i mean we'll, we'll we'll talk about some of the other bigger deals you've done i think that feeds quite nicely into into the how-to that you're going to do for us today yeah so your how-to is going to be how to buy via pre-pack yeah via pre-pack so take it away do that now. okay so Buying via prepack comes with its own risks. You, on a normal acquisition, you get a long time to do due diligence. You can really dig into the detail, and 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 on a prepack, you probably have a week to okay. do it. So there's there's probably four or five stages. You've got to find the distressed businesses to start with, and that's not always easy. Um, certainly go and subscribe to every administrator's list that you can possibly do. I get emails every day of insolvent businesses now. Okay. Uh, and I think from a future opportunity perspective, the next 12 months is going to be like a sweet shop. Um, if people want to want to buy via a, a kind of insolvent restructuring, yeah. um, the next 12 months are going to be a fantastic time to do it. So okay. you need to subscribe to every administrator's email list that you can just to try and get on top of what's available um, and, and, and then get ready to. So once you've found it, you need to approach it in the right way. You need to be credible. If you've got no business experience whatsoever, you've never done it before, it's quite tough to get into. Now, I hadn't done it with the golf club before, right? Um, but I rang our solicitor and said, this is what I want to do. And he kind of laughed, told me I was being stupid, but then told me what I had to ask, how I needed to approach it. Um, and so then I rang the administrator, introduced myself, this is what we do, but then asked the right questions at the right time, okay. structured it in the right way. So is there consent to assign the lease? Well, there wasn't. <laughs> and I knew there you wasn't. Didn't the question, I didn't did ask that you? question, I did ask the question. I did there wasn't, but I think blase, yeah. confident, maybe a little bit of a, an ego, self-belief. It doesn't matter, we'll deal with that. Yeah, How yeah. hard can it be to get a lease assigned? Apparently it's quite hard. <laughs> um, so I asked the right questions and we and it just gave the confidence to the administrator that we knew what we were doing. 
show proof of funds. You know, you're not going to buy these businesses for a pound. There is yeah. assets there. You need to pay for the assets. So show that you're you're a credible person to deal with because an administrator, frankly, just wants to get the business sold for the maximum amount they can so they can A, recover for the creditors and it's professional services. They need to be paid. So yeah. you need to be credible. And then you need to be prepared for limited due diligence. You don't okay. get a long time to do it. You get three, four days, maybe a week, and you have to make decisions quickly. So if you're the type of person that kind of wants to sit and think about it for three months, it's never going to happen. Yeah, We will get an information pack on a Monday, and the offer will be due on the Friday. Right, And we might, if we're lucky, get to speak to the directors. Uh, and you can ask for more information, but you're on such a tight timescale, it doesn't always come. Um, so you have to then be prepared for it and be able to read that P&L quickly, be able to look at the asset list and f work out what it's worth from an asset basis really quickly. I remember the golf club, I just sat on eBay and went, don't know what this tractor is. Oh, right. Well, what's it going for? Right, that's how... And I, I had a spreadsheet <laughs> and I just literally put a price down next to every major asset on the list on this spreadsheet and went, well, that's what the assets are worth. Yeah. Um, and... and, 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 and that's effectively what you have to do. There's no, there's no easy way of doing this. You just have to dig deep and follow your gut a little bit. If it doesn't feel right, just don't do it. Yeah. But you have to be able to f work out what you're going to do with it next, and that's yeah. really critical. So once you've worked out that you want it and you've done that limited DD, you need to have a plan of how you're going to solve the issue. Now, if it's just debt, well, the debt's gone. So yeah. if, it, if it's trading profitably month to month, but the debt repayments are more than the profit, then you know you, you you're okay. But if there's other inherent issues in there, you need a plan of action really quickly, and you need to be able to deliver it really quickly. And that has to all be done in that short time scale. You just don't have the time to yeah. to think. Oh well, you know, I'll get I'll get someone in to manage it, and I'll do this, and I'll do this. But if that's going to take three months, it doesn't work. So you need to be prepared for that. Uh, and then try and get access to the directors um, and ask as many questions as you can. Um, I always take the mantra of there's no, there's no stupid question. Yeah. If you don't know the answer, then it's not a stupid question, is yeah. it? If you know the answer and you've asked it five times, you're probably gonna get people's backs up. But if you genuinely just don't know what it is, ask the question anyway. Um, and so try and ask as many as you can. I remember we got access to the employees on one deal, the one deal that really went wrong for us. Um, and afterwards that one of the staff went i was going to ask you why you were buying it i did think it was a bit weird and i was like why didn't i ask you <laughs> and and and, and it, it it was we didn't i didn't ask the staff enough questions yeah i should have said to the staff are we are we doing the right thing buying this or, or is it a terrible idea and yeah. I, I think he'd have gone don't buy this it's awful <laughs> and i'd probably have paid him for the advice um and you just so you just got to ask as much as you can and get as yeah. much information as you can in that short period of time and uh, and then just kind of be ready to transact yeah. so these things do happen quickly so if you don't have a lawyer ready to go the, the paperwork gets done in 48 hours yeah ringing a lawyer and trying to to get engagement letters out and do proof of id you know it's too slow the yeah. an ip wants to get a deal done rapidly they don't want to wait for weeks and sometimes if there's creditor pressure they can't wait weeks so yeah. they need to be able to do quickly so you need to get um ready to transact have your solicitors ready have your proof of funds ready have your spv if you're buying out of an spv have it ready so that when you put an offer together to go to an ip you're effectively saying look well i've got this i've got this i've got this and i've got this 
we're ready to do this deal, yeah. the solicitors are primed, we can get this completed in 72 hours. Generally, the delay is going to be your side, getting the paperwork done, not our side, yeah. if you want to do the deal. And then once you've done that, kind of you've got to get ready to get stuck in. This isn't, for me, the ones we've done, they're not hands-off purchases. We've not we've not bought businesses where there's a management team in and we can just leave them to it. I, I've been in there doing the financials, been in there doing the support, doing the integration, speaking to customers. If you're not prepared to work 20 hours a day for yeah. the first month, again, is it the right thing to do? And you, some, some of them, I mean, we all do it as business owners, sit there on the sofa at 11 o'clock at night doing work. <laughs> like, we all do it, but you, you have to be ready to get stuck in. If you're yeah. not, not going to kind of crack on with it, all that's going to happen is it's going to be it's still going to be distressed. Yeah, yeah. And you need to be across everything. You need to look be across the suppliers because all the suppliers have probably felt some pain because they'll have been creditors, so they're probably not going to get paid. Um, so they're all going to be upset. So you've got to try and engage with them at the same time. You've got to engage with all of the customers that you've just got because they're going to hear words like insolvency and panic. Yeah. Um, and so you have to be across all of it. And if you haven't got the right team next to you to support that process. It is really tough, and and so really just follow that those steps. You've got to find the opportunities, yep. be credible, and um, be prepared to just do due diligence really quickly. Don't think that you can send it to the accountant, ask your accountant to look at your P and Ls for a week, yeah, because it, you just don't have that time. And actually, a, an accountant is always going to go, you know, it's a bit risky. It's a bit bit because because accountants are risk averse. That's yeah, exactly sure. what they're designed to be. You need to be able to understand the P and L, understand the balance sheet, understand the financials of the business there and then, so that you're not relying on other people. Because frankly, you're the one taking the risk here. Yeah. You need to believe it's right. So there's a lot of learning to go in. But as I said, the next twelve months there's going to be so much opportunity. If people want to get yeah. into it, then there's there's definitely stuff to do. That is a fantastic idiot's guide into buying prepack. And I think one of the things you said there is is key, is the IP just wants his fee, doesn't he? I, I, I know that's a very extreme way of I'm looking sure at it. I'd, but. I'm not sure I'd say that as directly, probably. Um, but look, it's professional services, isn't it? Yeah. They're, they're not going to do a job for free. Yeah. I wouldn't expect them to do a job for free. So that, yeah, there's probably an element of making sure they're going to get paid and so making sure there's enough assets in a deal to get paid. Um, but yeah, yeah, they they they're not going to work for free, and, yeah. and and you have to understand that. So if yeah. you go into it thinking, well, I can buy that business for a pound, the reality is it's just never going to happen. Yeah. And people need to this whole oh well, you can buy a business for a quid. Well, you can, but it's probably distressed, and you're probably going to buy buy shares, so you then have all the debt and all the headache. Buying it via prepack, yes, you have to pay cash out the door. It doesn't all have to be on day one. We've yeah. deferred lots of our payments, so okay. we pay an amount up front and then an amount three months or six months down the line. So you don't have to have it all up front, yeah. um, but you have to be prepared to get on with that deal in a way that a lot of people would think, oh, that's really risky. I'm not yeah. really sure I want to do that. Um, but yeah, IPs want to get paid like the rest of us, don't they? So before we get into some real life examples, some good ones and some bad ones, uh, I want to talk to our listeners and viewers about the Leeds Business Podcast Fair Deal. The Leeds Business Podcast Fair Deal has two sides to it. My side to it is every week for free, I bring you inspirational, motivational and, and fascinating business owners like John. Uh, your side of the deal has two parts to it. Part number one is I want you to recommend this podcast to one other person you feel will get benefit from it. And part number two, 
I want you to post a review either on the Apple Podcast app at podchaser.com or at Spotify. Give us a thumbs up at Spotify or if you're watching on YouTube, give us a wave to those people on YouTube, John. Uh, give us a thumbs up and post a comment on YouTube. That's the Leeds Business Podcast. Fair deal. Fair deal? Yeah, I think so. There you go. John thinks it's a fair deal. And that's all we've got time for in this episode. Listen again next week when we continue our discussions with John, where he shares with us some of the good and bad acquisitions that he's done, talks us through the need to systemize his pre-packed due diligence, discusses the difficulties and processes in integrating acquisitions, and then shares some expert advice if you want to look at building by acquisition. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you found it interesting, inspiring, and of use. To make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes, please subscribe to the show. Go on, do it now. Do it now before you go off and do something else. Thank you, much appreciated. Oh, and don't forget our fair deal. See you next week.